0: Relationships, long term relationships, let's face it, they're hard. They take a lot of work. You've heard it over and over again. Communication is the key to a great relationship. But what does that mean? You see, a few years ago, my wife and I were talking, and despite all the great things about our relationship, we were just simply dysfunctional when it came to solving certain problems together until we learned and started practicing almost daily the system we're going to talk about today welcome to the evolve podcast a podcast about disrupting your life to spark new evolution evolve your body evolve your mind evolve your soul and evolve your tribe and now it's time to disrupt Look who we have with us today is my beautiful bride of almost 25 (laughs) years joining us on the podcast today. And I'd love to say that we are in the same room, but unfortunately the sound didn't work and something's off with our system, but uh, she's right next door so whatever it works it works right (laughs) and with that folks we want to welcome you to another episode of the evolve podcast joining me as always from oberlin ohio the most interesting man that i know is w miles riley welcome
1: thanks here we go i think your intro your intro should have had written in it was the hardest hitting southpaw woman in the whole state of utah but we'll we haven't
0: got to hers yet. We're introducing you as her boxing coach, but somewhere in the mountains of Utah, I am Steve Cutler. And tonight we have probably the most important guest we've had on the podcast. And uh, uh, she was a tough guest to get on. Let's face it, I mean, joining us today is my beautiful bride of almost 25 years, Danielle Cutler. For our listeners who have not met Danielle, Danielle is a mother of three smart kids. She's a financial professional, an artist, a creator, a musician, and a former fitness competitor, and she does throw a mean south paw, as uh, Miles well knows, as her boxing coach. Yes, Danielle, thanks for joining <laughs>
2: and us. And you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is true. And since you opened up, there that is a up,
2: story there. <laughs>
0: we're going to tell that. Can we tell that story?
2: <laughs> yes. Yes.
0: So, we got married almost twenty-five years ago. And uh, you know, I'd been like most people in college, you were living with roommates, you had friends and we played pranks on each other. Well, Dan and I got married and I thought it would really be funny to play a prank on her when she got into the shower at one point. And what I didn't know at the time is there are very few things that Danielle hates more than being cold. So here she is in the shower and I sneak my way into the bathroom We've got one of those showers where the shower curtain is pulled so she can't see that i'm coming in and i take a cup of cold water and i pour it on her head and i get no response like absolutely no response you would think that there's going to be a scream or something right so after getting no response i slowly pull the curtain back and i see this almost terrified uh girl sitting in the corner and without even thinking about it that left hook came out and he smacked me right in my eye i, I like it he got it so shocked
2: he shocked and, me like who wants yeah. cold water poured on him when they're taking a nice hot shower and i was like it cold water dumped on my head so he got popped
1: <laughs> <laughs> i like it i just
2: started
0: <laughs> laughing i mean this is so this is like the antithesis of who danielle is She mm-hmm. is the kindest person in the world Um, everybody that knows her, uh, just falls in love with her and knows how kind she is. And so this is the exact opposite of who she is. Um, I just had to laugh and that actually became a really interesting thing for us where, um, we now use the term cold water. When something is, uh, that we do to each other that really bothers us, we look at that and say, Hey, that's a cold water. And we know that that's just somewhere that we don't, we don't. You went too
2: far. (laughs) It was a trigger though. Around. Like I didn't even yeah. I did wasn't okay. even like, "Oh, I'm going to punch you in the face." It just happened. Like he opened the thing and I just it was a, it was like a knee-jerk reaction. I'm like, ah, Punch. <laughs> Without thinking. It like was pretty but- funny.
1: Like it really <laughs> was funny. But I understand if you do something wrong, Steve, that she doesn't like, she can say that was cold water. What mm-hmm. do you say? We just use the same term.
2: Yeah. That the cold just water, the, that's, that's a
1: that's common it. language now. So
0: if I, if she does something, I'll say, Hey, that's cold water. And we just know okay. not to tread
1: there. That becomes well, I'm glad we're talking about language then, because I'm going to take both of you to task with this, because that should not be yours, Steve. Yours is <laughs> okay. something else. Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. I, so thanks, now we have to find relationship advice. We have to find Steve's term and then I need a term for me, even though I'm not in a relationship. I know things that piss me off. I got to figure out what the term would be. Oh, this is already interesting. I like
2: interesting. it cause then it, yeah, you, you can, you can still you know where water. yours, is. What is it for you? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah. So we 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 try to just come running. up with
0: a common term, and and yeah. cold water is one. But we've got other common terms that we use or common phrases. Uh other situations that that we just we know what we're talking about you know some of them uh i think came from me some of them came from danielle and and so we just have adopted them we look at our relationship as there's there's you there's me and there's we so there's essentially three parts to this relationship there's danielle's needs there's my needs and then there's the needs of the relationship that are important and so when it comes to the need of the relationship we, we just thought hey that's a that's a pretty common thing that both of us can remember because it was pretty shocking to me i think it was pretty shocking to danielle because um again it was it was so reactionary that yeah that it's just, i didn't that's think about it she is and so we we've laughed
1: about it a lot over the last uh, 25 or so years i liked that her reaction was violent <laughs> yeah <laughs> i actually do too. no no i really do i mean seriously no, I, like, you I'm, know, I'm serious yeah you, you know you you would get uh, you you would think you know a lot of people's a lot of people's reaction would be more about flight you know screaming or hollering or running or whatever but right you know you you threw a punch i like i really really like that because that means like your automatic response in a situation that you're losing is not to cower away but to strike out yeah so so yeah. I, I i really like your response
2: yeah that, that segues right into what we're talking about today of nonviolent communication. for I went violent. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that was that was more of our violent communication. I I think there is like Miles is talking about. There's room for violence in life, you know, and, oh, yeah. and a re, and a fight. It has to be there. Um, but yeah, you're right. It is a great segue. I mean, what we're going to talk about today. It's it's uh, we've been talking about putting this on the podcast for several months now. I mean. Miles and I have talked about it in several of our conversations, obviously Danielle and I practice this on almost a daily basis, Um, but I'm excited for our guests to really engage with this particular episode because I think that this topic and this methodology that we're going to be discussing today, uh, it's something that's going to have immediate impact on people. And I know that far too often people use that term. Right. Far too often, when somebody's trying to sell something, they'll say, "Oh, you're going to see an immediate impact." This truly is a topic and a technique that has immediate impact. When you start to learn how to use this methodology of nonviolent communication, you will see the results in your first uh, communication. So it's got immediate impact, and I'm really excited for our guests, or excuse me, for our, our listeners to uh, to learn about this practice. So. How are we doing? Are we ready to get going?
1: We are ready to get going. But let me just add something and see what you and Danielle think about what I'm about to say. Is if we're going to talk about nonviolent communication, should we spend a few minutes just talking about communication, period? Yeah, great thought. Because you, you lead actually, out on that one, and then we'll bring yeah, it back
0: you, to, uh, to the practice.
2: You go, yeah. Miles. We'll, we'll go with you.
1: Well, because the reason why I brought it up is because people, I have this idea that I play with all the time, that every situation, interpersonal situation situation or intrapersonal situation, calls for its own form of language. Steve and I have talked about that before. You know, I I, I can't talk to Tiago the way I talk to Steve. Tiago Mm -hmm. perceives the world in a certain way. A 14-year-old boy, Steve's a grown man. I can't talk to Steve the way I talk to Alicia. I can't talk to the three of them the way I talk to myself. So it's almost as if you have to become an artist with language because you're crafting language and its nuances to get your message across. Mm -hmm. So you can't talk to people the same way. You can't talk to the same person the same way in different situations. Let alone talking yeah. differently to different people. And I yeah. think as we get older, we get a set of language or vocabulary that we codify and we spread it across the board with no matter who we're talking to or if we're not aware. If we're not aware of how language gets used, we, we miss that. I notice I don't talk to this person the way I talk to that person, the way I talk to that person. And, and, and if you're unaware of it, you can't use it as a tool. Yeah. And I think you make an, a really interesting point. When you think about
0: language far too often, when we learn a language, we forget to learn another part of that language, a deeper level to that language. We forget mm. to talk to the person that's sitting across from us and learn their language. What right. do they need? How are they interacting with the world how do they see the world and um you know what what resonates with them just like we were talking about earlier cold water to danielle meant something right that meant this is the no-go zone and so then we adopted that into our language now if somebody didn't listen to this podcast they didn't know us and they didn't know that that was some sort of the lexicon that we use in this in our relationship and they heard us use the term cold water they would probably think we're talking about cold water coming out of the tap or cold water right. that's in the bathtub or whatever it is. They have no right. idea what the definition, but the definition <laughs>
1: or something kinky. Yeah,
0: Depending on where their mind is. Right, right. It, Miles.
2: right. But yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. I agree, Miles, because for me, the cold bar, that was my language of like, that was like, why would you do that to me? That's that's not funny that, that that was an awful experience that made that i like i got no humor out of that that was that was shocking that was that wasn't funny and to somebody else it might be like that was so funny oh my gosh i'm going to get you back i'm going to like one up you or you know whatever like where i took mm-hmm. it that certain way so it is all about the like delicacies of who you're dealing with and being able to for your wavelengths to come together where you're not like you know on these different, yeah, yeah, yeah. It and really it's, is it's about almost...
0: lining up those wavelengths, yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah. everybody has a different resonance and uh-huh. understanding what those wavelengths are. Now, I would say that 25 years in, we we probably would both look at something like that and think it's funny and want to up each other because the relationship yeah. has changed over, over right? I was right. young, yeah, yeah.
2: It was, it's very different 25 years ago. When I was so young and yeah. it was, yeah, very different. I would. I would definitely like try to one up your chase you through the house, or you know something would be different. But back then, that was just like, oh my gosh, why would you do that to me? I, it was not funny.
1: <laughs> so, I would think I would think now it would be a, a left, a right, and a hook. Yeah, it yeah, be. it was just yeah.
2: one pop. It would be a one-two uppercut, cross, bobbing. Now you
0: taught her how to fight. Miles really well, taught me the <laughs> sequence.
2: <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> well, like, there would be some kicks in there, too, because I'm actually really better. I'm better at my, my kicks than my punches. <laughs> yeah, the well, kicks
1: are pretty really, impressive. Let's play with this idea then, because, uh, you know, I'm thinking of how intrusive cold water thrown on somebody in the shower
2: yeah, that's intrusive, yes.
1: And 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 I think of, first of all, you're in the shower. <laughs> you
0: just gave her a new, a new part of yes,
1: the bridge. It's intrusive. It, it was intrusive. Think it was. about it. You have to close. <laughs> when you get in the shower, think about the privacy element and, and not the privacy, well, a part of the privacy, but just a sense of your own aloneness and you get into your own zone. In order to do that, you have to close out. two yeah. doors.
2: Mm. Yeah. You close
1: the bathroom door and you close the shower door. So you really think that you're just insulated and it's just you and yourself. That's, and
2: steam. And it's the steam. And steam.
1: <laughs> and, and, steam. And, and, <laughs> and again, don't you know, forget it's the this, steam. <laughs> you got all these elements of our ultimate privacy, and somebody has penetrated both those doors. And one of the doors they didn't penetrate, they went over. That's such a violent, intrusive act. Ah, Yes.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So if we think of these two doors as metaphors of talking to people and understanding the two doors that they have closed, metaphorically speaking, instead of intruding through those two doors, how do we open them gently to receive the message of cold water so they can accept
2: cold water? Yes.
0: That's a great question. And that's actually what this practice that we're gonna talk about does. Uh, It's a way of identifying how do we not step on another person's thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Yeah. But I think part of what's what's really impactful, see, now we're telling you the shortened version of cold water, right? Um, I, I told you the funny story. I told you where we're at now, that cold water means something. What I didn't tell you was that it took us probably two or three years to figure out this idea that cold water needed to be code for us for mm. something that we just, that's a no-go zone. So there was a lot of mistakes along the way. There were a lot of uh, barriers and boundaries that were crossed and stepped over and emotions that were thrown aside um, or emotions that were just not even really understood until we finally mm-hmm. got to the point where we understood and some of that i think when you think about the communication great communication happens when both parties listen to each other well and both parties are also to, are, are able to communicate what their emotions and what their needs are now mm-hmm. if there's a breakdown in either one of those sides of the communication then the whole situation breaks down and like i said in the introduction you know we we found ourselves 20 plus years into this thing we call a relationship and a marriage and said, wow, we're, we, we still really suck at certain problem solving resolution type things. We just were, we're really dysfunctional. And yeah. what we found was that, you know, we, we've, we would have these ways of navigating. We'd have these ways of doing things and we'd get through it, but neither one of us would feel great about it. Like, let's say that we were working through a, uh, a problem or a situation and uh, you know, it, it ended up being that maybe Danielle would acquiesce and say, okay, well, let's do this. Well, I didn't feel good because I'm not wanting her to just go with my way. I don't think my way is the best way. And she didn't feel good because she wasn't fully expressing what was inside of her. And so regardless of what a person's relationship is with their partner, because there's always gonna be one that might be a little bit more um, dominant communicator and one that might be a little bit more submissive communicator. This process works on both ends because Mm -hmm. while there's one that could be aggressive, the other one could be passive aggressive. And the key in that, and Danielle and I've talked about this multiple times over the years, aggressive is still the term that fits into both sides. If somebody is passive aggressive it doesn't mean that it's a better way to go. <laughs> and here she is punching. <laughs> but it's That's where uh, my that's it boils came. down to.
2: Yeah, who was the aggressive one who's the passive aggressive? What do you think? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you were definitely the aggressive one in that time.
2: Yeah, yeah, always. Yeah. <laughs> I was the aggressive. Yeah, always.
0: Yeah, always. <laughs> So let's let's jump into uh, and build off of what we talked about so far, just jump into the, where this concept came from. So um, I can't remember where I got introduced to this book, but Marshall Rosenberg, he wrote a book uh, called Nonviolent Communication. And the way that it was introduced to me is the same way I'm going to introduce it to our leaders, or excuse me, to our listeners. And that is that it's probably the worst name for the best book you'll ever read. Nonviolent communication doesn't really explain what this process is. In a way, it does because it's a way of taking out um, enmity, it's a way of taking out the little digs, it's a way of taking out the passive aggressiveness, it's a way of taking out the aggressiveness of the communication, and it's a way of getting two people to the table that sometimes are at odds, either with each other or with an idea. And so in this book uh, that Rosenberg uh, wrote, he details out this process that he used not just in relationships between husbands and wives but rosenberg was a person that would get called if there were literally countries warring with each other and they were at a stalemate and they needed to figure out okay you're bombing this person you're bombing that person we got to get to the table and figure out a way to not bomb each other and so that's where this idea of nonviolent communication, how do we communicate so it doesn't lead to this violence? So, you know, I, there was a, let me tell you a little bit of our backstory. So a few years back, we were in the midst of a disagreement and we just really came to the realization that, while we had always gotten along pretty well, we love each other, we enjoy spending time together, that we didn't have skills, we didn't have a system, we didn't have a tool that we could use effectively to work through conflict in in a simple and elegant way. And one of the things that's always been important to us is that we express love to each other in a way that is important for each other. Um, You know, I receive love different than Danielle does. And so that's always been a big thing for us. And so what was happening is we would build up this goodwill with each other uh, throughout the month or throughout the year. And then we would reach a point where there would be a disagreement or an argument, and it would just go and go and go. And we would literally go into this cycle of at, at, at some point, we'd look at each other and say, well, what the hell are we really even arguing about? What the hell are we disagreeing about that? <laughs> And um, Rosenberg's book opened up this concept to me. And I went to Danielle and I said, hey, I bought you this book, too. Um, and I want you to read it. And I want, I want to talk about if we, if you're open to this idea of practicing this so that we get good at it now, growing up, loving basketball and miles, I know you love basketball as well. How many free throws did we shoot back in the day when we were learning to play? And then even when we were playing and we're we're playing in games, right? The free throw concept was that you go to practice and you shoot the free throw and you do it, when nobody else is around you do it when the game is not on the line and you get used to doing that same motion over and over and over again. And the idea is that you train your nervous system by doing this practice over and over again. When you get into that heightened state, then if you just go back to your practice, you're able to shoot the free throws and the pressure of the game winning shot, or just the pressure of the crowd is not going to, um, make you buckle and so i after danielle read the book and we talked through it and hey what do you like about this what don't you like okay now how can we make it simple and so we took this free throw concept and we said what if every single day we just practice and i would say nine times out of ten when we practice we're not practicing on each other with anything that has to do with each other so for instance we're not talking Mm -hmm. about um some sort of conflict that has come up between us or a disagreement when we go through the practice every single day we're literally just practicing on something that we you know that's dealing with us and what the practice does is it fosters good communication uh within us now we've done this now for how long daniel i don't know i was
2: just trying i was just thinking about that when you were talking like like when did we start this (laughs) How long has this been? Uh, I can't remember. It's been over a
0: year, maybe two okay. years.
2: Okay, a year. I don't know. Maybe
0: maybe a couple yeah. of years. Yeah. So what what we did is we we started every day just practicing and saying, okay, let's let's run through the practice. And um, in doing the practice, we, we we saw immediate results. And then when we would re- go into a more heightened state of communication where tensions were higher, um, it made the practice, or it made it a lot easier. And I, I would say more often than not, we would just fall into the practice. Every once in a while, we get into something where we're going back and forth and it turns into more of a bickering at each other. And one of us invariably will look at the other one and say, wait a minute, let's go into our practice. And then we take a deep breath and we go into the practice immediately. Now, here's one caution that I would tell you uh, for our listeners. There's a lot of studies out there that have studied the effectiveness of your, or the importance, I should say, of your emotional state and the way that your nervous system is set up when you go into conflict. And if you go into a conflict situation and you're heightened, if you are angry, if you're frustrated, if you feel like you are emotionally hijacked, and what we mean by that is that you're not thinking clearly, you, you know you've got some blind spots and you feel what you're about to say more than you're thinking about what you're going to say, then that's a time to hit the pause button. And what science uh, has shown is that you need a minimum of 25 to 30 minutes to let your system down regulate and then you go back into a conflict situation. So part of the, the practice really is twofold if you practice on a regular basis, now we do it most days of the week, that's gonna make a big difference. The second part of the practice is what I just said, that if you're going into a difficult situation, you're trying to resolve a conflict and the emotions are taking over, you need to take a pause and it needs to be at least 25 to 30 minutes. What we found uh, just from our own practice and from reading the science and how the nervous system works is, if we hit pause one of us or sometimes both of us will go for a walk and we'll go for a walk together and we don't even talk or one of us will go for a walk because that's an easy way you see we talked about the fight response miles uh, as you mentioned before so there's fight there's flight and then there's freeze and the flight response can be initiated as soon as you go for a walk but what happens is your body will understand that it's going in this into this flight you're going away from it but because walking starts to work on that parasympathetic part of the nervous system it brings the emotions down and so a 20 to 30 minute walk will bring your emotions down it will help to reset you and then you can go back into that that difficult conversation so those are the two keys practicing it every day and then when you get into a difficult situation Make sure that your emotional state is ready. All right. So Danielle, um, for our listeners, do you want to walk them through what our process is and what we do on a day-to-day basis?
2: Yeah, so now we've we modified it like ever so slightly, but so now we start. Um it could be we take like two minutes, it could be that we each take like 10 minutes, just kind of depends on the time we have and then what's on our minds, but we start with just saying what we are what's something positive that we're that's going on right now in our world? What is it something that's that is just that's it, just something that's positive. So it could just really be anything. And um so that we're just always starting off on a a a, a good tone for the day and and you know, not focusing on negative things. And then our next piece is to say how that, what to identify what, how we're feeling. And then again, this could be anything. And then like Steve said, this, we don't even, this is not like a conflict situation between us. It's just purely, I'm just, I'm feeling tired today, or I'm feeling a little anxious about this upcoming thing at work, or I'm feeling really excited about the weekend, or I'm, um I'm feeling a little bit disconnected and I, you know, whatever it is, or, or it could be a multiple, it could be like two or three, you know, feelings that you've identified. Um, So we did, you just kind of get out, you know, what's, it's just a little gut check. What's, what's inside right now, what's inside of my gut? How am I feeling? What's in there? And then the next thing we identifies what are my needs so after all my feelings what 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 needs are coming based on what those feelings are what is it um comes from that and then the last thing is the strategy of okay so here's my feelings here's what my needs are what's my strategy how am i going to do it how am i going to tackle this how am i going to kind of get my feet wet with this problem and and try to problem solve it so I'm meeting my needs, and my feelings are being addressed. So, it's positives. Um, identify your feelings, needs, and strategy, and then with the whole nonviolent communication thing, the the beauty of it is you are you are one hundred percent owning your own state and how you're feeling. And the biggest thing that this has done for me, and I think our relationship, it's taken away the blame of saying of casting how you're feeling and blaming it on somebody else that it's it's 100 you own it it's mine um you know the strategy the needs might be where it comes into the relationship of you know this is where we can come together on it the it's 100 this is i own it this is mine yeah, what's that great famous
1: definition of anger and they said, anger is what you do to yourself after the other person has left the room
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly
1: <laughs>
0: anger and bitterness yeah i think uh, you know like danielle said it it really has has brought a certain level of emotional accountability for both of us um and you know going back, back to what you were talking about earlier miles this is something that has brought a lot more language to our vocabulary. You know, when Dan- Danielle said yeah. that we, we we go into, okay, here's how I'm feeling. And we don't really delineate between an emotion and a feeling. Um, you know, we know that like there might be a sensation. I might be feeling uh, a, a sensation of an anxious energy. I could call that an emotion or I could just feel it somewhere in my body and it's a sensation. And we, we don't really, we don't care. Uh, we just, we've gotten to the point where we want to recognize the feeling and or the emotion. And this could be anything from I'm feeling really happy, I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling uh stressed, or as Danielle said earlier, I'm feeling tired. I I mean this last week I've been dealing with this uh head cold, and so I think every day that we've talked, I've said, I feel tired, I feel like shit, I feel like you know, I mean there's multiple ways I could describe it. But identifying the feeling or emotion, that's you know, it's it's paramount that we do that. And One of the keys that I want to make sure that we point out is if you haven't picked up on it, what we're not doing is we're not saying you made me feel this way. And we don't do that in our communication when it comes to conflict. Because what what we realize and we know and we live in this space right now is that how I feel is 100% mine. It's nobody Mm -hmm. else's. Somebody cuts me off in traffic it might spark a feeling in me. But then, if I follow that feeling and it turns into an emotion of anger or frustration, well, that, that's because my focus is there. Now, Danielle may do something, or let's say that when I uh, threw the cold water on her, right? I created the stimulus. Now, her initial response to that is physiological. It's not something it's that she, she can't sit there and say, yeah, there was a shock to it, right? We're not going to lie about that and say, no, I don't feel the shock. This is not about emotional blindness. This is about recognizing what the feeling is, but she feels that emotional shock or that physical shock, and then it might turn into something that's emotional. And she may say, hey, that physical shock made me feel uh, emotionally unsafe because I don't want to be uncomfortable physically. I don't want to, that, that's not funny to me. There are many things about that that don't make me feel safe and comfortable. And then she might go into her need and say, I have a need to feel safe and comfortable in our relationship, right? She's owning the feeling, the emotion, and then she's owning what her need is relative to that emotion. Now, before we go any further, I want to I go back to uh, the modification that we made. So Rosenberg's methodology is... Emotion, need, strategy. Now, where we've changed it and we've evolved it, um, we did that for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think that human beings are inherently wired to be negative. It's a response to our evolution. It's a response to uh, fears that we have. And so, you know, we look for the problems. We look for the negative, And we threw a hypothesis out there one day while we were talking and said, well, what if we just started the day with something that we're proud of something that we see that was really positive what if it was you know something that happened yesterday that you were really proud of and what if we had some time to just brag about ourselves what would that do and <sighs> the, we, we played with that for a little bit and it's been a lot of fun um and i can see for myself i mean it's changed my perspective significantly um I've, I've started to look at the world in a much more peaceful way because I'm not looking exterior for positives and then interior for negatives. I'm now seeing the beauty that's everywhere. So that's the one modification that we've made. I mean, Danielle, what's that done for you as we've added the positivity? I think that's only been something that we've done for probably the last, what, three or four months.
2: I think, well, I think part of it is like the, the whole, like Pavlov theory of because we've been so repetitive. It's like, it's our, it's just like conditioned my mind before I even say anything. Like I'm already like feeling positive. <laughs> like it's just, Yeah. it's a, there's a, just a conditioned response because we've conditioned ourselves. We've pavloved ourselves into <laughs> it. Ourselves. <laughs> we pavloved ourselves. Ki-
0: if our kids listen to that at uh, this episode, <laughs> they they'll love not. that because there's a, there's a, there's an inside joke there.
1: Yeah. That's a great t-shirt. I've pavloved myself. I I've like that. i pavloved myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Speaking of t-shirts, key, if you're listening to this to episode life, and you have not success. picked up, yeah, Pavlov that is the key. <laughs> If if you're listening to this episode and you haven't picked up one of our evolve t-shirts on our website, go to evolve-cast.com. Uh, we've got all of our merch up there. Uh, but think about this uh, this Pavlov concept. Uh, you know, we we have truly Pavloved ourselves, and, and I'm glad that you said that you start to feel happy and positive as soon as you get into it because it is that. Like you literally change your emotional state before you even start talking and I feel the same way. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think the other cool thing for me is um, I love sitting here like we we typically just, you know, to to paint the picture of how we do this. And I'm not saying everybody needs to do it the same way, but um, we'll do it where either Danielle's on her way to work or I'm on my way to work. Whoever has to leave first and one of us calls the other person and we talk on our way to work and this is where we do the practice and what what's really cool for me is she'll call me and or i'll call her and i'll say okay you ready for the practice or she'll say you ready for the practice Uh, and then i always say okay ladies go first and she'll start into the positives and before she gets going like i start to put a smile on my face because now here is the person that uh, i'm connected to the most the person i love the most that's now talking about herself positively and uh that's a i don't even know how to explain what that does for me inside but um you know it's kind of like if you have friends and somebody else is talking bad about your friend and you want to defend your friend um far too often i think in life we think that it's okay to talk bad about ourselves but we forget that we are someone else's favorite person And so there's been times where Danielle and I've gone back and forth to each other and say, hey, don't talk bad about my best friend. And uh, so this practice of the positive at the beginning, uh, it just puts a huge smile on my face because I I love listening to her talk about the things that she's doing really well. And it gives us like kind of this really cool, sometimes maybe one or two minutes to celebrate with each other Mm -hmm. and to pat each other on the back. Uh, sometimes it's silly and goofy and we're making fun of each other, joking about the stuff, but it, uh, yeah, it's a, it, it's a cool little celebration that we've added in there.
1: You know, what's interesting, right. what, what, what you've done, and I, I've practiced this a lot, what you've initially done <clears throat> is dislodge yourself from yourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because, ego, and Steve, you know this this phrase that i'm about to say i use it all the times um it's a phrase i got from meditation where they say in meditation what we aim for in meditation is to reduce our near 100 probability of a fixed response to a conditioned stimulus yeah and early on what you guys were talking about is what you do inside of an emotional moment is you allow yourself to pause Mm -hmm. And you allow yourself to feel the emotion, whether it's taking a walk. And in that time, it allows you to stop and play with the emotion and almost dislodge yourself from the emotion. And then you can play with it. Because I was thinking what what I normally do is if if I have an emotion pop up and I'm in that emotional tone and I'm responding to a particular event, person, or situation, I always ask myself, who in the world would I would respond the opposite of the way I'm responding now.
0: Yeah, I love that question. So yeah.
1: so it's like and what and I'll go back to you guys with the with the shower, the cold water. And I'm playing like I'm Danielle and I've emotionally dislodged myself. I would ask myself, who would respond differently to this? Mm-hmm. And the person that would respond differently to that is Wim Hof. You know who Wim Hof is, right? Yeah. Yeah, oh, right, yeah,
2: the sure. cold therapy, yeah. The
1: yeah, man. you throw yeah. ice on him and he's going to go, <laughs> like, make like, it fucking colder. Yeah,
2: let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Bring the
1: Breathe cold. into
0: the cold. The cold <laughs> yeah. is my teacher. Right. So I, I when am when
1: one with the cold. Me, yeah. When it comes to these emotions, and, and it's interesting because I get a lot of it, I've grown emotionally because of my ex-wife because I watch how my ex-wife deals with Tiago. And she deals with Tiago in a way that I think is an amazing, gentle, understanding way. And I would always deal with Tiago in this kind of hard dad way. And the hard dad way wasn't fucking working.
0: (laughs) It works until it
1: doesn't. Right. And I watched how she did it. And I said, okay, if I keep a certain loving foundational dadness but add these elements that she's using.
2: I can come up some, with some
1: phenomenal shit here, and
2: yeah, it works. That's, yeah. that's yeah, that's worked. great. <laughs> that's a true. That's a true artist's way of like how how else can this be done? How can I look at this from a different angle? I'm not, I'm only looking at this angle. I need to come on this side now. So you're, yeah. really, you're getting a three sixty, and here's the emotion, and you're not you're not attached to it. It's I can I can. I can look around it from different angles. Yeah, to move around. It's here, and I'm out here going around it. I'm not in it, for here.
1: And you also gave me another great T-shirt. Thank you. How else can this be done? Yeah, <laughs> oh, I like that.
0: I like that. Yeah. Give Give our listeners that quote again, Miles. I know that you you've brought that up before. Say that quote again.
1: What we aim for in meditation is to reduce our near 100% probability of a fixed response to a conditioned stimulus. And the I stimulus, every,
2: go ahead. I'm trying to even, like, get my head around everything is stimulus. I know. Everything yeah. is stimulus,
1: right? Right, everything is a stimulus. And most people, most of us usually have one way to respond to a particular stimulus. We, you know, like as yeah. Steve said earlier, somebody cuts you off in traffic, you get pissed. That's so the the stimulus is the the person cutting you off and your conditioned response is to get upset. Well, Mm -hmm. if you change that, all of a sudden, now that you know that you're doing it, it becomes a tool, something that you can manipulate it because most people are not aware. They just respond, they just respond. But the minute Mm -hmm. you pause, feel the emotion, you can start to now navigate doing a 180. Yeah, you response. own it now. You own it now. I had, a, I had a moment in a basketball game a long time ago when I was playing college basketball where you know there was this big brouhaha and people were arguing. It w- didn't turn into a fight, but it could have. And one of the opposing guys on the bench looked at me and I was on the court and he said, number 33, why don't you shut the fuck up? And I looked at him and I said, Okay, I'm going to listen to you. And they started laughing when I said that. <laughs> and and I remember gaining I a great awesome. deal of insight from okay. that moment. It was a great insight okay. because I, it taught me like, huh, I, I could have been part of this emotional craziness, but I didn't. I flipped it and they started laughing.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. And so, so that's what so whole can con- do.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the whole idea of um, conditioned responses, conditioned stimuli all the things that we react automatically to the minute we stop and just take a breath and go, huh, I can change how I respond to this situation, which mm-hmm. is a great sign of emotional maturity.
2: Absolutely. That, that is emotional maturity. That is it. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's an iterative process. And, and for our listeners who haven't listened to uh, episode 63, where uh, we we call it uh, mastering meditation with Miles. I would highly recommend that you go do that uh, after this episode because that episode Miles walks through several meditative practices that you can employ that will help you to understand this. You know the personal meditative. Uh, growth that you can go through. Uh, You know, one of the things, Miles, that we've found with this practice is it's not just a great way to develop a relationship with each other uh, on a deeper level, but it's actually a great way to develop a better relationship internally with ourselves. Uh, In Mm -hmm. fact, the other day, Danielle, was, uh, we were talking about some conflict that she had going on, and she said, okay, I've got to think through this, and so I come back uh, after work, and there's a bunch of papers laid out on her desk. And she says, let me, let me show you what I've gone through. And she's written out all of her emotions, thoughts, feelings, and then she's gone through and said, okay, based on this, this is what my need is. And now here's what my strategy is. This is these are the things that I'm gonna do to accomplish this. Now, because wow. she takes full accountability for it and full accountability for how she feels, what her needs are and what her strategy is, she's not coming to me and saying, Steve, solve my problem or fix my problem. And the other thing that she's not doing is she's not venting to me. You see, this whole concept of, oh, I need to vent, not that that's a horrible thing, but science has shown that venting is oftentimes ineffective at the desired result. When we vent, especially when we vent anger, it just multiplies and we feel more angry over time. But (laughs) when you go through this process of saying, here's what my emotion is, you see, you're not leading with emotion. Emotion is there, but you're actually leading with this cognitive process. Um, I, the, the Stoics would say that this is the, this is the way to, to live, right? They're telling you to don't ignore your emotion, but also don't let emotion be the horse that drags you through uh, the muck and the mire of your life. So she's got all the emotions. She's taking full accountability for how she feels. She's taking full accountability for what her internal needs are and then she says here's my strategy what do you think and sometimes we'll do this with each other where uh, i'll say here's what i think my strategy is what do you think and she'll say well have you thought about this or what about that and we'll kind of bounce these ideas off of each other so that we can get some social proof on the strategy is it going to work is it not going to work we know each other well uh, What am i missing? Know, she might look
2: at, what am i not thinking yeah. about
0: yeah, what am I missing? What am I not thinking about? Or sometimes it's literally just that we, we need to be called out on something. Like she'll say, Steve, that's not going to work. Like I know you, this is what <laughs> you, you're not going to do that. You, you're you're going to do this other thing. So that's probably a better strategy and vice versa. We'll call each other out if the strategy is way off. Now, fortunately, mm. that doesn't happen often. And I say fortunately, just because we have iterated through this process. To where we know each other we know ourselves pretty well But it's also a really good feeling when we get called out for for a strategy that is not going to work because that's the point where we're just we've been living in this self-deception and that's why as a as a partner we can help each other to uh to kind of break free from that so this is a process that once we started to get into this as a couple i would journal about it and now i know danielle does that uh from time to time it's not like we're journaling this every day but when we have conflict inside, we don't just explode at each other. We, we sometimes will write down, this is what I'm feeling. This is what my needs are. And, you know, here's what I think my strategy is. And frankly, um, you know, for those of you that are listening and are saying, well, this sounds great. And, uh, you know, I I'm, I'm going to go try it. And they're, they're painting this beautiful picture. It doesn't mean it's easy right? It's a simple process, but that doesn't mean it's easy. And I'll tell you that a lot of the time when we put this process together, we'll get to the point where it's strategy. And I'll look at her and I'll say, I don't know what the hell to do. Like, I know how I feel. I know what my need is. And other than my strategy of talking to you right now, I really don't know what the hell to do. And sometimes she'll say, well, have you thought about this? Or have you thought about that? And more often than not, we just look at you, each other and say, yeah, well, I'm sure you'll figure it out. And we give each other space for the not knowing, because there doesn't always need to be an answer or a strategy right there. And I think when we, mm-hmm. when you talk about this holding space for another person, really that's what it is to us is we're going to hold space that she feels away, I feel away, I have a need. She has a need and we don't even know what that's gonna look like to fix it. But once it's out there in the ether of the universe, we're gonna figure that out over time. So Danielle, I wanna I wanna just run through some questions with you because I think it's valuable for our listeners um to hear our perspectives and and um, you know what what's changed? What are some things that have, have improved? So um you know how from your perspective has our conflict resolution changed?
2: um i think it was really bad like i I think i've always been kind of more of a a touchy-feely person and i would sometimes even get so wrapped up in my emotions that i'd have a hard time identifying even just identifying like when we first started doing the practice like i would just struggle just trying to like pinpoint what my actual feelings were i'm like what is wrong with me but so i i um so what's changed is i'm like that i've gotten good at like knowing my like i know myself better and then like if we've gotten into conflict um it's real easy now to be like if we get off track like we're if we start getting nitpicky or whatever it's also like hold up stop this is silly we know we we know how to do this way better and it's almost like you know often it even just kind of like instantly deflates it's not even that you always necessarily have to go on a long walk you know sometimes you still do or whatever it's like okay i gotta get like head check i gotta like bring this in that i've i've found often too of just like you know like we can even there's been times where we just kind of like look at each other and it's almost like we start laughing you know we've had this moments yeah. where it's like like okay, well, this isn't right. We're not doing this right. This is silly. then we laugh about it, and then it's like, okay, well, this is how I'm feeling and then we can do it. so it's um there's definitely been like a ton of pro- progress, but it it has taken at least for me because I don't think I had a lot of emotional I had a lot of emotions. I didn't have a lot of emotional maturity until I like really you know like committed to really understand myself more and own it that, like, I feel like I've grown a lot in that space that I did as a new person.
0: Yeah, and it's been really <laughs> cool to watch. And I, one thing I do want to point out uh, to our listeners, this is something that recently I was I was lecturing to a, uh, a pretty sizable group of, of uh, executives on uh, communication and conflict resolution. We were actually talking about this topic in particular. And so as I'm lecturing to these um, these executives... Um, the, the topic of how you process emotions came up and Danielle and I are two totally different processors. What I mean by that is not just that like I'm male, she's female, but Danielle is an external processor in order for her to understand her emotions. She's got to talk about it. She's got to get it out there. And along the way, she's going to figure out what that emotion is. And so as we went through this practice, um, I think, you know, you started to, you, you would ramble and you would kind of go through stuff and then you'd get lost in what you were talking about. And I think one of the things that mm-hmm. I've seen from my perspective is that you, you've gotten to the point where you know you're an external processor. And so you process externally by saying, oh, let me think about this. Let me talk it through. And then you get to whatever that emotion or that feeling is pretty quick, but it's still external. Whereas mm-hmm. I'm an internal processor. I think through things and then I speak. Now the difference between external and internal processors, and here's where, um, as I was saying to this group the other day, where a lot of conflict can come up, is what an external processor does is they externally process what internal processors do. And so the internal processor sometimes can look at the external processor and say, why are you saying all of those things? And mm-hmm. external processors sometimes I've
2: heard that a lot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, but seriously, with external processors, they've got to be comfortable with just saying, hey, I'm an external processor, so I'm going to talk this through. It might take me a minute to get to where I'm going to get to, but it's there. Internal processors far too often, and this is where I had to challenge a leader because he said, yeah, but I don't, I just think it through. And I said, but if we were to put a recorder inside of your brain, you have all of the same thoughts. You have positive thoughts, you have negative thoughts. You probably get a lot of stupid thoughts that are sitting in there. And just because there's a filter where you process internally, it doesn't mean that you're any different than the external processor. It's just the difference in how you take in that information. And man, when I said this, this guy's eyes open wide and goes, yeah, I've always thought to myself that if what was in my brain actually came out, people would really wonder who I am. <laughs> and <laughs> So internal and external processors have to understand that if you are if if you got two external processors, you guys are gonna have to rein each other in because you got this practice could take like five hours. Uh, if you've got two internal processors, the practice could take two minutes, but it should take ten. Uh, uh. If you have like we are where it's an internal external, then it's uh, it can be a, a great balance. So there's no right or wrong way. But it's important to understand that all great relationships are built on that triad of trust, honesty, and respect. And so understanding where the other person is and respecting the way they process is crucial. Right. So, um, I definitely seen that, that, uh, change and that improvement in, in you, Danielle, that, uh, I think has really been cool. Um, what are some other things that have improved, um, you know, relative to your, your emotional development and your emotional growth?
2: Um, well, that's like personally, well, then I just think, you know, as the, the the relationship piece and then just the connection of like just feeling like we're in sync because I, I know what you're going through every day. You know, we, we just have that like we know each other better than anyone because we're we're connected that way. So there's just the the relationship piece has its life and legs under it because we've given it life and leagues. So there's the personal development, there's the relationship, you know, I, I know how you're feeling, you know, I don't, I already know how you're feeling and how your day's been, because we already talked about it. We're like, we're just, it's connected.
1: Let me ask you guys something, um, to borrow this term from linguistics, and I'll I'll tell a brief story, and then let you guys both chime in with your marriage, if if this resonates. I was arguing with a friend of mine, it was a basketball argument, and he was arguing the way it is, and I was arguing the way it should be, but I didn't know it at the time, Mm, and it created a tremendous amount of conflict. And then it dawned on me that we were not having an argument at all because we were both defending two different positions he was describing what is actually happening and i was looking at it from an idealistic point of view of what should and could happen and in linguistics they call it prescriptive and descriptive language describers describe what events are taking place prescribers say this is what should happen and it's mostly used in language but i notice a lot of people have these kinds of debates and they are totally unaware that they're arguing two different things, which nullifies the fact that it's not an argument. they're just not seeing their perspective. They're each respectively their perspective. Can you guys recognize anything like that? Yeah, because it yeah. would seem like Steve would be a prescriber, and Danielle would be a describer. What do you think Does that? Is? Does that resonate at all?
2: Um, Yeah, I guess it's if you're taking the time to understand the other person of what they're trying to say, like, have you asked, are are you out of your own head and are you trying to get in their head? Have you asked questions like, are are you there just to give your perspective or are you really like, where are they coming from? Why are they saying this? um so what where is your that's been part of
0: our practice is, is uh-huh. the questioning and i think that's an important thing rather than defending where you're at just asking mm-hmm. the question you know so i want to make sure i understand you right is this what you're saying right the other thing too that we've gotten to the point where um i actually think if somebody were to to kind of see us communicate from time to time and they didn't know us Um, We're very direct about certain things. So there might be times where Danielle's saying something or I'm saying something. And and one of us is not really hearing the essence of what they're saying. And so she'll look at me or I'll look at her and say, no, no, you're not understanding what I'm saying.
2: Missing
0: the boat. Yeah, or you're missing the boat. And it's very direct, right? It's not mean, but it's direct. And... That again, when we talk about this common lexicon, this t- common language, like we talked about with cold water, if we look at each other and say, no, you're not hearing me. See, when we say you're not hearing me, what we mean is you're not hearing my emotion. You're not hearing the intent. You're not hearing what's going behind you
2: know, this. It's, it's or, being filtered because it's, right. it's like, like Steve might bring something to me and then I'm thinking that he's meaning this and then I'm like, You know, acting off like just what you said. It's like I interpreted it to mean this, and then it's then it's like, no, that you're missing the whole point. Like that's that's you you're missing the context of like what the real point is. And it's like, okay, back up. What do you mean by that? Like where you know it's like okay, I got to ask some questions because I my head went here, my filters took me here, and I'm not seeing the right perspective. And so it's like. Time to ask questions.
1: And if he's filtering his response, if he's filtering himself, you're not getting a complete picture of what he's trying to say.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like we talked about. I mean, the skill set. So when you think about this skill set that you have to develop, the it, it, it's a two-pronged skill set. It's the ability to understand your emotions, needs, and your strategy. And being able to communicate that in words that the other person is going to understand right yeah. But yeah. on the other end it's about understanding when somebody communicates to you their emotion their needs and their strategy you have to be able to hear that and here mm-hmm. we talk about from the heart right so you have to understand like Daniel was talking about the context the intent but then when sometimes when we say no you're not listening then there might be some details that are being missed in there. Right. And so yeah. hear is heart, listen is ears. And those are, the, th- those are the common language terms that we use. But it's a two-pronged approach. You have to be able to communicate without a filter externally. And then you have to be able to take it in. And those two skills are uh, paramount to success. Anytime in this cycle of communication, you can see some sort of breakdown in there. So I think that that, um, you know, the listening and the the practice itself gets rid of a lot of that because we don't really, you know, if we're interrupting or we're interjecting when the other person is doing their practice, more often than not, it's just to, uh, you know, to nod and to say, oh, yeah, that sucks. I'm sorry. Or, you know, it's something that's supportive Um, or if it's celebratory, hey, I feel happy and I'm excited. Um, yeah, that's really cool, right? We're, we're supporting, we're empathizing with what the other person is saying. Very rarely do we, is there any interjection while the, while the other person is talking about their emotion or their feelings. So I think oftentimes, Miles, like you talked about with this, these two different ways of communicating, um, you get rid of that with this practice because you're talking about the emotion, the need, and the strategy. And mm-hmm. when you get into that rhythm and that cadence, you, the the skills just develop and you kind of fly by that uh you you know that ability that you have to create that chasm yeah so i want to Daniel. i want to uh we talked a little bit about how this changed you personally um i want to ask you as we've done done this practice um what have you what are the changes you've seen in me um we've gone through this you know you've had some changes you've seen it in our relationship but what's changed in me from your perspective
2: Um, like this overall or during practice
0: or yeah from doing the practice how how is this uh you know what are some changes that you've seen
2: um I think you just you hold the space more of like of the listening and understanding me like there's just um there's more of a comfort um, that I have with you of that you're I guess it's just come from the maturity I don't know of that I know if I use if I come with our um, you know boundaries that we've set that I'm not going to attack I'm not going to blame I'm just going to you know if I'm going to um, open up and share how I'm feeling like I have complete trust in that you you've got those skills that it's going to be well received so there's um, a lot of um, I don't know just a different it's just a different level of our relationship there's um. I,
0: it's like a safety
2: I think yeah there's, there's a lot That's of safety. what it sounds like yeah there's a lot of safety that you that exist in the relationship. Um, well you've always been a great communicator, so that you know, you've you've always been a leader and a communicator and that's just always been there and taught the kids and, you know, always had that great communication skills. That's just always been there for you. But I, I'm trying to think of what else has changed. I guess the, the but
0: I think safety, that's a big one. Right?
1: Yeah. I think that's
0: a big one I want to point out for, for the men listening to this podcast, because men inherently, when we, we want to be fixers, and that was mm-hmm. something I remember one time in particular, where we were going through the practice, and I had made a couple of comments and, um, you know, probably well intended, but I'm just wired to, at that state to, to try and fix, to try and provide solutions yeah, to, to problems to discuss. Yeah,
2: that's probably been the disgust. biggest, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah, I remember, like, it created a massive conflict, we ended up having to get off the phone and talk later at night about it. Um, And we didn't get through the full practice, because I had screwed that up to the level where, um, you know, I wasn't hearing, I wasn't listening, it was more so like I'm coming in to fix it. And, you know, this was something that I had a coaching client bring up recently to me and said, so, but don't you feel like you have to fix it? And I said, yes, initially, I did. But what happened, that was part of my emotional growth is I had to to learn how to hold the space longer, and to just mm-hmm. wait. I
2: needed a lot, a lot it. more. <laughs> yeah. I and think as I men, think men we need to, <laughs> yeah. yeah. men need to learn that. Because yeah. yeah. I've been accused of, of that, that too. Men
0: need to learn that. Yeah, I've been accused of that too.
1: I've heard and many times in my really life common. women saying, "I don't need you to fix it. I just need yeah. you to hear right. me." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've heard huge. that quite some time in my
2: life. Yeah. Yep. It's huge.
0: The, the interesting thing, I, I think, from my perspective, and that, that conflict that we had where I had really upset Danielle on the phone uh, that one day, you know, it, it caused day? me to pause and when hold back. Your... Yesterday, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that was a while back. I'm sure you got it written down in your journal. Um, <laughs> no, you're not a scorekeeper. Uh, so that when that happened, I paused and I I had to reflect and say, OK, why am I doing this? Like, What's my emotion? What am I feeling in that moment? And why do I feel the need to jump in to fix it? And it was funny when I asked myself that question, the whole thing just dissipated. The need went away because I thought, I don't have that need. Because the need is coming from this ego of, I need to feel proud that I can fix a problem. But it's like, well, that's not even my problem. This is Danielle's emotion. This is uh, something that she wants to fix. She needs to fix it. And as soon as I let that go and I started to practice just shutting the hell up and holding more space, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it was amazing what it did for me. I started to notice that I was seeing more nuance to Danielle's beauty and how she thought and how she handled things and how she was analyzing and how she was working through this stuff. And so I I sort of feel this sense of pride and, and I, I thought, man, this is really cool. To see what's happening inside of her, but I got a sense of love, a sense of admiration, and really this feeling of um, connectedness. Because now, instead of trying to jump in to fix something, we're emotionally connecting better. Because I'm able mm-hmm. to sit there, take it in, and feel it, and so I feel much more emotionally connected. Now, it doesn't take away the need to fix. The I, I think as men we are wired that way, but and you're good at it, yeah. day, right? I mean, it's... that's something that I, I think through my career I've been able to solve problems, whether it's solving a business problem or helping to solve a conflict between people, um, in in uh, you know relationships or whatever it is. But it's I don't need to do it all the time. And what I found was my need is not to do that all the time. In fact, if I do that a lot, then it just drains me. And what shifted was as soon as I started listening more and just holding more space, the times where Danielle would say to me, hey, I'm not sure about the strategy or hey, what do you think about this? Or hey, can you help me? It was, it was even more meaningful because A, she's asking for it and B, um, it was a more complicated problem. And so I could put my mind to the test at that point rather than just saying, well, stop doing this and start doing that um you know this simple course <laughs> she, she can fix on her own and yeah. and i don't I, I don't get anything out of that so the emotional rewards from doing that were just uh really unexpected and and pretty cool so i think that's uh, that's been a fun thing and i'm i'm glad that we had that conflict um yeah. which is another thing i want to bring up that far too often in life we get to the point where we avoid conflict because we're afraid of it and i've always said that I'm a big fan of conflict because the best relationships that I have in life are the people that I've had the most conflict with. I don't love conflict to combat, right? I'm not looking to fight with another person. But the way I view conflict is that we have a conflict of ideas. Sometimes we have a conflict of ideals. And so, from an ideological thought process standpoint or an ideal, or a morality standpoint, we may see things uh, in two different ways. That's okay. Because that means that there is a space we can come to where your perspective and my perspective are gonna help each other to raise to a higher level. So if you're listening to this podcast and you say, but I don't like conflict, I'm, I'm an avoider of conflict, jump in, don't jump in to fight but jump in to do the practice because i can tell you on the other end of conflict there are great things now we're not talking about burn the bridges that's why we're talking about this practice of emotion need and strategy if you apply this you're going to get through the conflict um danielle i want to go through the practice with you if that's okay Um, and really just imagine that uh you know we' are doing this on a day to day basis because I think it's important not only to talk about what it is but I think it's helpful for our listeners to hear what that practice looks like so does that sound good
2: um yeah I did okay sure <laughs> let's do it
0: so we'll do our normal practice uh you know if, if you're a listener of the podcast, you can imagine that Danielle and I are driving to work. Uh, or one of us is working at home for the day and the other one's driving to work. And so we've called up uh, each other and here we are on the phone. And uh, so I tell Danielle, hey, ladies first. And she's going to start out with her positives. And then she's going to jump into the practice. And, uh, you know, the, the reason we're doing this, and, and I've got to be honest with you, I probably should, should have said this at the beginning of the podcast, is not to put ourselves on some sort of pedestal. It's not to tell you that we have everything figured out and we have a perfect relationship and a perfect marriage and uh, it, it's nothing like that. But there's always a risk in, in socially with putting something out there like this. The risk is to be viewed as people who think of themselves as great or good or better than somebody else. And that's certainly not the case. We'll be the first to admit that the conflict and the challenges that we've had, we, don't, we think that they're um, similar to what everybody else has gone through. Uh, there are times where the battles have been fierce and intense. There are mistakes that have been made. There are stupid decisions that we've made, and uh, so I don't want to misrepresent anything. The reason why we chose to do this episode is because coming through on the other end of this, uh, with not having great conflict resolution skills before, and then saying, "Hey, I think we're 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 pretty well practiced at this." at least to the point where we've seen some very positive changes in our relationship. Uh we, we hoped that this would inspire somebody. You know, maybe you're a guy in your forties or fifties and you just struggle with opening up emotionally to your wife. Maybe you're a woman that is um you know, going through a divorce and you don't know how to communicate effectively to your now ex uh you know husband or when you're going out dating and you're trying to determine what does this look like, I don't care what stage of life you're at. This practice is going to benefit you. So as we go through this, just understand we're trying to uh, help and show a way. And however you apply this and whatever works well for you in your own personal practice, uh, we we hope that uh, not only is this effective for you, but we'd love to hear from you on what's working. All right. So Danielle, you're in the car. I'm in the car. We're driving to work and uh, ladies first.
2: Okay. I am feeling positive today about the fact that I got up at 5 a.m. this morning to do my workout because I have been, um, I like to get up at least by 5:30, If not, Six, but i have been very lazy with my workouts lately and it's down to nothing like especially since you've been sick <laughs> where i just like kind of made excuses and just because of my own um problems i've been dealing with i'm like i i just i don't i'm not gonna keep my routine so i broke the chain i got myself my butt out of bed at 5 a.m and i got my um workout in and i I did a little like hip hop class before I did my weight training, like just online at home. I just did this at home and um, just so I could like get warmed up and loose and enjoy it just to make it fun again. And then did my weights and I did some sprints up the road and saw the stars this morning and it was really pretty. And I, I think I saw Mars or whatever it was like glowing orange and I love seeing stars. So it started my day off. Um, um really good where I'm like okay I can conquer this day and I can do it. So that's my positive is I got my butt out of bed and I did my workout. It was at home. I didn't go to the gym but I did it so that counts. <laughs> um
1: that's awesome.
2: And then um I'm feeling I'm feeling overworked. I'm feeling um, like I want more fun and adventure. Because um, of just my personal work stress I've had, and then you've been sick and trying to get over the the cough and the, all the coughing and the sickness and stuff. So I've been feeling like, okay, I've, we're we're getting to the tail end of me dealing with my crap, you being sick, and I'm ready for. My need is the next chapter. My need is to, okay, we've 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 dealt with the the bum crap that's not fun i need some fun my need is for adventure fun um that we've got i can't even believe it's thanksgiving next week so um i'm needing to feel like next weekend we can unplug from um problems and then uh whatever just normal day-to-day the grind of work and and have some you know good family i'm really needing some good family connection and fun time, building memories getting out of the grind of the day-to-day so my strategy is to make sure we're connecting because i i don't know i'm forgetting what everybody's work schedules is like with carly what days she can be there with us the whole time. I wanna make sure we have the plans of, um, this is, you know, obviously we have the Thanksgiving day, but like for that weekend of like, you know, can we go skiing or do we just plan some hikes or what? what's our connection time gonna look like? What's, I want the, the fun adventure, um, family connection unplugged from the grind so if we can like figure out um connecting with all the kids making sure we know what days they're going to be up if we're going up to the the cabin you know what days is everyone going to be there to make sure we figured out our ski days or what that's going to look like
0: awesome yeah i think that i mean i'm looking forward to it and uh great job on the practice So I I think the positives for me, uh, like you, I I was excited. Um, You were kind of tossing and turning this morning and that woke me up even before my normal wake up time. But when I woke up, I was just wide awake and uh, popped up, went through my normal routine. Uh, And this is the first day in about two, two weeks that I've been able to go through my normal routine. And while my workout was really short this morning, uh, because I just don't have a ton of energy from being sick, I felt great going through the workout, and it actually gave me a lot of energy throughout the uh, the morning and you know into the day. So I feel really positive about that. Uh, we've got some great stuff going on at work, and I had a super positive conversation with an old friend today that uh, just made me feel really uh, happy. He had shared some things with me, um, you know, that he had seen with what we're doing on the podcast and my speaking and consulting and, and gave me some perspective that uh, I think I was just blind to because I tend to discount my uh, myself and my skills. So I uh, felt very positive about that and really happy that I've got, uh, you know, great friends in my life. Uh, also super positive about the fact that uh, we've been talking about this particular episode for a really long time, and I feel positive about the, uh, the conversation, and I'm looking forward to the feedback that we're going to get from people who start to apply this practice. So uh, those yeah. are my positives. I think the most dominant emotion right now that I feel is just want of gratitude. Um, you know, I feel this strong sense of gratitude for people in my life. Uh, obviously, you for uh, coming on and doing this conversation. Uh, Miles, uh, you know, the connection that the three of us have. One of my favorite pictures um, is the three of us together at the symphony. Uh, we had asked miles to go to the symphony and and uh his uh his date showed up later and so uh there were just the three of us standing out yeah. there at the symphony and uh you know i've always had this uh this uh, uh gratitude for for miles obviously gratitude for you for uh coming onto the podcast so i think my need really is to to live in gratitude right now and to live in gratitude uh, for the next few days, I, as we go into Thanksgiving, it's always a great time for me to reflect and to pause and to just feel a sense of gratitude and be more conscientious of it. And so my strategy is that uh, you know, from now until Thanksgiving, I'm gonna spend more time every day journaling on the things that I'm grateful for. And what I found in the past when I do that is I tend to get really nitpicky with all the things that are cool in life and that's always a nice reset at this time of the year. So um you know I think that's my my first strategy. The second strategy is to start to express that to more people uh when I feel that gratitude because I, I love being able to give that feedback to to other people. So um that's my practice for the day. All right. So imagine um you know if we were in the car at that point, we would uh say hey, thanks, love you and uh, we'd go on With our day. Now, we've chosen to do the practice primarily in the mornings because it just works in our schedule. It's kind of the time that uh, uh, helps us to kickstart the day. I don't know that there's a time of the day that works better other than just what works for you. So if you decide to do this practice and uh, utilize Rosenberg's uh, method of nonviolent communication, uh, use it as a free throw, do it in the times where stress is not heightened. And more often than not, like Danielle talked about, uh, you know, what... She talked about relative to her emotions, needs, and her strategy had nothing to do with me. I mean, yes, I'm going to be there and we're going to be in the family time and we're going to maybe we need to plan the family time. Um, You know, the thing that I expressed was more about gratitude, but essentially, we're not dealing with any conflict there. And that's important because what you're trying to do when you're practicing is develop your ability to shoot the free throws when there is no pressure on. The game isn't on the line. And so you're practicing before the pressure gets on there. All right, Miles, so this last little bit as we've been going through the practice, uh, I know you, uh, are, you're a very astute listener and observer. I'd love to get your feedback on the practice and, and knowing both of us, what do you, what are you seeing?
1: Well, I love the end. I love what you guys just did when you guys demonstrated the practice. I, I actually thought that was really cool. Um, it's funny. Um. Like I, if I were to picture some people in a car, they're going to work together, and somebody might be silent, somebody might be rambling about something, but it seems like when you have this planned type of conversation, I can easily see how once the first person gets out of the car <clears throat> and says, "Honey, have a great day." you know, whoever it is, I I could just see how it could kind of charge your day Mm -hmm. that you have this planned way of speaking with each other and anything can come up, but it it also opens the door to creative things that you might want to do. You know, we're talking about hiking and, you know, and you're expressing your emotion, which means that during the course of a day at any point, One of you might pause and think about what the other person has said, and then could come up with an idea of like, oh, let me augment that, or, you know, if it's a if it's something that's negative. Like, what am I thinking? So if it's something negative, say say you, Danielle, you get out of the car first. You're going to work. You both both have expressed. Steve has said some things, a couple of things that are inner conflicts with him not with you and then you get home earlier and you think oh how can i without even talking about his negative emotion prepare something that really good is mood altering or vice versa yeah yeah well mm-hmm. vice versa you know Danielle, you get out of the car and steve drives off and he's really been listening to what you're saying and he thinks huh what can i bring home what can i do at home to just alter that that little thing she was talking about, and it just opens up this tremendous can of worms for like so much stuff. And I, I don't think people do that. I don't think people no. do that. I, th- I think it's really specific. I think people basically listen to the other in terms of just kind of hearing. Okay, 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 and you know, and and when they drive off nothing is it you know it just sounds like a creative way to start the day off dealing with your own emotional state and well-being whether it's negative or positive
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah that's what i heard that's i like i took a lot it's funny i took a lot from that that was really interesting there, there's a lot that comes from it and i think
0: that you know i'll give you one example so uh I, a couple of weeks ago i just in passing i looked in the cupboard and and my favorite uh, little espresso mug it has its little saucer it's got these you know this porsche martini racing which i love porsches i love martini racing like i love all that kind of stuff right so this is kind of the that, that's the holy grail of my espresso time in the morning and i looked in there and the the um, plate was broken and so i just kind of made mental note of it and then when i saw danielle i said hey did you know that my what happened to the plate did, did did you break it she goes yeah i broke it and you know I then, walking up I the could, stairs
2: and it, yeah It just
0: yeah she just kind of went on about the day and like it was totally uncharacteristic of her to um you know to respond like that but i could tell she was busy i could tell she was going to something else and uh you know later on i just it registered this emotion that i was like god that kind of made me feel bad but dad's a garbage term what did i really feel And I felt sad. I felt like, uh, you know, normally it was just the, the difference between happiness and sadness often is just the, you know, the difference of our expectations and my expectation, because she is typically so kind, loving, and, and, you know, apologetic when something like that happens. And I didn't get that. I thought, oh, well that just made me sad because it didn't meet my expectation. And so, um, but I also could tell that there was something going on. She was, you know, in her head, something else was happening. And so later, I, and maybe it was a day or two later, I said, Hey, can I just share something with you? You know, the other day when I uh, mentioned my, my broken little saucer, um, it's not a big deal to be honest with you. It's, it, it really is not. And mistakes happen. So I'm not mad. I'm not upset about it, but it did make me feel sad. It made me feel sad because normally when something like that happens, you tell me about it. And then when I asked you about it, you moved on really quickly and I didn't even finish talking about how I felt to get to what my need was. And she looks at me, she says, I know I feel so bad. I'm so sorry. I actually didn't tell you because I was going to try and fix it first and then talk to you about it. And I had this plan. And then I was so, when you brought it up, I was working and thinking about, you know, X, Y, and Z. And she goes, I know I didn't handle that in the way that I you know the, met your emotional needs and I'm sorry. So we didn't even need to get to emotion need and strategy. It was just right. simply me sharing. And she just jumped in, knew what my need was, gave me the strategy essentially, and that fixed it. And it was um less than a minute conversation, uh, you know, if I'm if I'm putting it on the time clock. And it it made a, a huge, huge difference. There was another time recently where um, you know, she I I've been working a lot and I've been um you know dealing with the The ups and downs of of startup life, and she'd expressed to me that she didn't feel like she was as supported around the house, and that uh, she was taking a lot of the load around the house, and that she she didn't uh, you know she had a need to feel more support. And so, as we talked through it, I realized there were two things happening. One, she needed more um, jobs done around the house. She was feeling like she was doing too many jobs, and I wasn't doing enough. But then the jobs that I was doing, she didn't even recognize that I was doing those. And so it was like, Hey, what do you need? Do you need to see that I'm doing these jobs? Do you need to be told? She goes, Yeah, I actually need to be told that Are I do. You, yeah, doing so that like,
2: job. Yeah. Please tell me when you're doing it. it makes me when the bit. toilet's <laughs> clean, I just see
0: that the toilet's clean, but I don't know you clean the toilet. And and then we <laughs> brought up this funny conversation between us where I said, well, I don't want to like dance and sing and say, oh, I
2: clean the toilet. But no, I, I, really like, oh, I actually do that scene. now actually she's she's like no you gotta tell me (laughs) because if it's not
0: if it's not bad i'm not picking up on it um but then the other thing i did is i thought well all right before i go to the gym in the morning i typically have about a five to ten minute window where you know i'm packing up and getting ready to go what if i took that five to ten minutes and i just started doing something around the house i could sweep i could uh unload the dishwasher And we started doing these little things within this little 5-10 minute time slot, right? just a a small deposit. Uh So, later that day, uh, I came home, I said, hey, did you notice? She goes, oh my gosh, I was just going to say, thank you for doing the dishes, thanks for doing this. Well, this emotion need strategy, where she told me how she felt, she told me what her need was, her need was for me to communicate what I was doing, but then also to take the burden of a little bit more. and. Uh, You know, I've done other things, but it was literally that five minutes in the morning where emotionally things shifted in the relationship and her need was met. And she goes, this is great. I love this. And so, you know, then that becomes motivating for me because I want to make her uh, feel better by doing these things. And so then I'm going to do it more often and I'm going to do other things. So you're right, Miles, that there are times where when we share these things with each other, we sometimes don't even necessarily get to the strategy where the other person comes up and says, hey, let, let me take strategy on this. Let me do that. Right. And we don't always use that verbiage. We don't always say, let me do the strategy. We, we, we may say, hey, well, what if I did this or would this be helpful? So we're intonating strategy, but we're not using that verbiage all the time. So we're, mm-hmm. we're talking about what we can do to help meet each other's needs um, in a way that's going to su- be supportive. We, we want to support each other in all aspects of life. I want Danielle to be happy. I want her to be able to succeed in her career. And, and you know, I believe in her that she could do all of these things. But at the same time, I want to be here to support her in the ways that I can contribute and vice versa. And there are days like you referenced, Miles, where, you know, if I'm having a bad day, I come home. I mean, you've been over here, right? You know how the house smells. Like yeah. it just the, the, the whole house is filled with Danielle's cooking. And some days it gets filled even more with her cooking because uh she knows i'm having a not so great day and so <laughs> the uh it, it's almost like she uses more aromatic uh ways of cooking on days where she knows that i need a little bit more so well, I, it I changes state. the garage and i can that's right that it it, I, I can yeah, smell it from, the, from the front
1: yeah, yeah. i know How one thing or, I, or danielle i hope um you know if, if he ever cleans the refrigerator out and after he does it he starts break dancing singing i just cleaned the refrigerator i hope you get a video of that
2: <laughs> okay deal <laughs> he did clean the refrigerator out recently <laughs> yeah, that was idea. my last
0: big project
1: <laughs> that was
2: yeah. a big one
0: <laughs> she was really yeah. happy about that
2: oh, yeah but it is true yeah. like of knowing your audience like no it, it, it wasn't for me it was a much about doing the job as tell him he did the job, because then I know he's communicating in my language of, I want you to make a big deal about it, because you know, it's a big deal to me. And you're doing this for me. And it makes me happy and excited. And it's fun. And so that's like, a big deposit for me. So it is like silly, but yeah, it's, it's huge. It's little and it's yeah. huge.
1: And it's the stilliness <laughs> just, that made it fun. Giving us like a bunch of really I can't I, I should have wrote them all down. What was it Pavlov yourself? Know your have
2: audience. Love yourself. <laughs> yeah, love
1: yourself. And there was another one. Know your audience. I like that because in the context of a relationship. Yeah. yeah. You know that's very powerful. Know your audience. And yeah. there was something else you said. It was like three of them that I thought, oh, this is a, this is a great three T-shirts.
0: You're gonna have to listen to this episode after we uh, put Go it back, all, yeah.
1: Get all that. Yeah, because I want to yeah. get that. Wow. Oh.
0: <clears throat> Well, one thing I would say, you know, on and, and we're getting we're getting on our, our time here that we need to start wrapping it up. But, um, you know, know your audience. That's something that we talk about. That's that's a common phrase in our relationship, uh, because, you know, we're, we both work outside of the home. We have kids that we love and that we want to uh, support, but they're at a stage of life now where. Uh, You know, two of them are older and in college and working. And one of them is home in high at high school, but they're all they're running in in multiple directions. And we both work uh, jobs outside of the, the home. And we're both very busy. I mean, there have been times like last year, for instance, Danielle had her full time job. And then she was a full time coordinator of our daughter's drill team. Uh, our daughter was wow. a captain of the drill team, which meant that Danielle, as the captain's mom, was in charge of coordinating all of the events. And, and it literally was a full-time job. I mean, he started counting out the hours where I would see her early in the morning until, you know, we're in bed and still 11, 12 o'clock at night, she's still working on this stuff. Um, and so supporting each other in through this process... It's not just something that has improved our relationship with each other, and it's not just something that has improved our emotional intelligence by understanding what our emotions, needs and strategies are, but it, it has helped in every aspect of life. Communication with our kids, communication in the workplace, this is something that permeates, and you know we don't have the time to get too deep into it uh, today, but it, essentially when you start to practice this stuff, you're going to find that you will find ways in the workspace to implement this process and it will help you to develop great relationships, to get ahead. Um, You know, I've always said uh, and I I mentioned this last week when I was lecturing to a group of leaders that there's three things that you need to do to get ahead in business. The first one is your performance. The second one uh, is your relationships. And then the third one is the, the political game. And, you know, your performance is how do you actually show up and perform on a day-to-day basis? The next one is the relationships, it's the who you know, and developing great relationships is all about developing these skills of nonviolent communication. And then the third one of of playing a political game is really nothing more, nothing less than being seen at the times where you need to be seen in a very positive way. And learning how to communicate in, in tough situations is probably one of the most important skills that you can take into the workplace. So this practice doesn't just work in the intimate relationships of your life, but it will work across the board. So uh, folks, we are coming up on our time. And uh, I would say that on that note, it is time for us to wrap up another episode of the Evolve podcast. Uh, We want to thank our guest, the most important guests that we've had on so far. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> you yeah. know it. Thanks for coming on and to have this conversation.
2: You're Great welcome. You. I'm, it was fun to be here. Two of my favorite people oh. right here, so. Yeah,
1: it was, it was, plus it was just good to see you.
2: I <laughs> no. Miss you, Miles.
1: It's the, it's
0: the magic triad right here,
2: right? I know, right? Yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I also wanted to thank my co-host, co-host W. Miles Riley um so danielle i don't know why you're flashing to new york there miles because the giants Um, are doing well yeah there you go (laughs) typically we ask our guests of what's the best way to follow your personal evolution and your growth um and i would say we probably just tell them to follow evolve and listen to the episodes and you know danielle is a is is a force behind evolve because all of the concepts that we talk about here all of the things that we put out um are tested uh, on each other and so you know this is uh if, if you have questions uh, reach out to me on my instagram or you can reach out to us on evolve and that's the best way for you to uh, spark some conversation there so i would challenge our, our listeners to go out and start to practice these uh, these techniques that we talked about tonight start small start when the when the emotions are not high and over time you're going to notice some development inside of yourself you will improve your relationships overall uh, from an intimate standpoint, but also in the relationships and work and other areas of your life. So remember folks that it takes time and consistency to evolve, but first, you have to disrupt. And now it's time for you to get out
1: there and evolve. And evolve.
2: Have love yourself. Thank
1: you for listening to the Evolve podcast. If you like this.
0: Thank you for listening to the Evolve Podcast. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at evolve underscore cast and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting app. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve.